Welcome to the Philippe Matthews Show at thepmshow.tv. Named the Oprah of the Internet by Mark Victor Hansen, Philippe Matthews doesn't ask questions that are different. He simply asks questions that make a difference. The Philippe Matthews Show features entertainers, bestsellers, authors, thought leaders, change agents, and world-class experts in the field of personal, spiritual, and professional development. An Internet marketing entrepreneur, Philippe is the creator of the How Movement, dedicated to teaching people how to move from the mindset of hope to the process of how. If you are ready to take your life to the next level, move from a mindset of why to the mindset of why not. Tune in right now to this latest edition of the Philippe Matthews Show and watch your life grow. So we're back, ladies and gentlemen, on the Philippe Matthews uh, Radio Show, uh, and uh, we've got her back for uh, the fourth installment on on, on consciousness. And uh, if you haven't uh, uh, heard uh, and watched the first uh, three, uh, it has been nothing less than miraculous. It's been groundbreaking, and we're not falling short today. Back with us is Dr. Meg Blackburn. Losey, how are you, my dear? I'm awesome. Hi, everyone. It's super to be back, and I'm excited about our conversation today. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm uh, you know, I don't think anybody can be more excited than I can. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, before we, before we uh, started uh, recording the uh, that, uh, you know, the last installment really struck me in terms of uh, intention and setting intention and how to correctly do that. And, and those little nuances um, that you gave were absolutely amazing. And um, then you send me uh, some, some points of, uh, of, of interest of what we're going to be talking about today. And I said, well, how can she top herself? Because last week was just absolutely amazing. I don't know what she can do. And sure enough, you've topped yourself again uh, with what, what we're going to be talking about uh, in terms of uh, our souls and, and how souls become a body and, and, how, we, uh, and how we live it. I, I, I have never had that conversation. This is going to be absolutely wonderful. Well, thanks for that. And and to me, it's all relative. You know, um, it's all connected. It all works together. And and so this is just another chapter of that it, from my perspective, because it's it to me it's about keeping it real and surreal all at the same time. Because mm-hmm. I like it's, that. it's all the same. You know, we we are a marriage of humanity and divinity. And having said that. Um, today we'll be talking about how that happens. So I'm you talk about yeah, you talk about um, uh, you know how we're uh, how we're hardwired into creation. Uh, you've mentioned that several times. How, what, what does that to reiterate? What does that mean? How does that work? That we're hardwired into creation. Okay, just a kind of a recap. I talked about how the sacred geometry all comes together as from. Uh, pure light to a four-sided pyramid format, then into a particulate format, which is octahedronal, and then those become the basic building blocks of creation. And when we send our prayers, intentions, any expression of ourselves at all uh, into creation, what happens is those particles become excited and move in place, they roll over, realign, and a new reality happens. Mm-hmm. So today we're going to be talking about how that how that works as we become who we are in our world, and it, it's kind of mind blowing actually. <laughs> it was for me, and I'm really excited about sharing it. But um, basically, you know, we talked about the the Taurus and the toroid form and how the mm-hmm. universe is is a toroid form, uh, our planet works in a toroid form, as does our sun, um, as does pretty much everything in nature as far as energy works. And uh, so today I wanted to explain how we are far more than our physical form and how we live inside of one of those toroids and how energetically we're put together in different ways that affect our lives, not only how our lives are going, but how our health is related and why sometimes we can't find 
by normal medical or scientific means what's going on. Mm -hmm. Um, I've often gotten the people nobody can fix, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And I've learned a lot from that. You know, I'm kind of a a last resort for a lot of people because, um, as I continue to say, weirdness is wonderful and uh, Mm -hmm. I... I have some gifts, and I, I can literally see inside of bodies, and I can see the energy and and make changes, and that changes the the experience of the person. So, um, this is going to be a fun talk today. This is amazing. You, you, you talk about um, souls deciding uh, to to incarnate, uh, and, and and so so what what energetically has to happen uh, for a soul to incarnate uh, using sacred uh, geometry. This is fascinating. I, I'll preface it with a little story and, uh, okay. and get ready to rock your reality. <laughs> I, was, I was working with a young couple. Their mom was a nurse, and she had sent them to me. Um, the young woman had had a miscarriage, and their marriage was falling apart over it. Mm-hmm. Um, they just didn't know how to handle it, and they mm-hmm. were really sad and all the things that go with that. And I had the wife on my table, and I was at her head doing a certain balancing during the session. And all of a sudden, everything to my left lit up, and I turned, and there was this uh, being that wasn't male, wasn't female, was was very androgynous, and silver, I mean, just so bright, it hurt my eyes, literally. And mm-hmm. I thought to myself, this isn't one of mine, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. And, and <laughs> then it hit me, oh, my God. I said, are you going to be her next child? And mm-hmm. it told me that it, that it was. And I said, how cool is that? I said, obviously, I'm not going to be there in that moment. Will you show me how it works? And all of a sudden, my reality shifted, and I saw the entire process. And long story short, and we're going to talk about that process in just a sec, but Mm -hmm. long story short, what I was shown happened that day, and nine months later, it told me it was going to be a little girl, and nine months later, she delivered a little girl baby. Well, (laughs) <laughs> Let me tell you, that was a whopper, <laughs> and uh, it, it was really validating to see it happen, you know, um, nine months later, and it told me, yeah, I wasn't crazy, because I, I always try to validate these things because they're so darn weird, and mm-hmm. anyway, what it showed me was, and this often kind of shakes people a little bit, but at the moment of conception, there is, when the sperm and the ova unite, there is an expression of energy that is released that's like a clarion call for a soul to enter at that moment. And I saw the expression but didn't realize till far later, just recently mm-hmm. as a matter of fact, what happens in that expression. Mm-hmm. So as that energy is expressed, it looks kind of like a vortex as it it first happens. And then as that vortex slows down, it starts to fold outward. And as it does, it folds all the way around into a torus. And as that happens, the soul, the incoming being which is all energy at that point, enters into that expression. And as each cell divides, creating a fetus, it carries the consciousness of that soul into the entire body. So literally every cell in our body carries the consciousness of our soul being. There is no higher self, as a lot of people say. We are that. We carry it within us. Mm, so, love that. Yeah, so it, it was fascinating to stand there and watch the the cells divide one after another after another, and the consciousness pervade every single one. 
and wow, that was a, a real lesson. And there's nothing to look for. We are that. We're we're walking in it, you know. Um, so uh, that's how we start. And then, as that soul enters the toroid form, that's that's kind of unfolding. And I I have every certainty that the lotus that they talk about blooming um, in Eastern beliefs has everything to do with this. Mm-hmm. As as that unfolding occurs and the soul enters, it creates a kind of a temporary vacuum as it enters into that forming toroid and refines the energy inside. Remember how I said when we when we look at a torus, the energy is falling over the top like a waterfall. Mm-hmm. I talked about that in the first segment, I believe, mm-hmm. and. So that kind of waterfall energy starts to come together in a form of a straight line. And that's what becomes our pranic tube. The pranic tube, for those that don't know, comes through our crown, all the way through our body, and out at the base of our spine, and goes on down into the earth and as, and reaches from our crown way farther than we are aware of. Mm. So so that's how our beginning energy starts. Then the chakra system develops. Most people think that the chakras are discs that spin and they're power centers of energy in our body. But what people don't understand or realize, for the most part, unless they've been in my classes, <laughs> that... Chakras are actually four-sided pyramids, and they sit bottom on the body, point up, and they spin clockwise. It doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman; they spin the same way. A lot of a lot of belief systems say that men are opposite from women in in the chakras, but that's not true. The chakra in itself is a very complex system. Inside of it is a spiral. Mm-hmm. and an orb, and a cube, and a few other things. And we talked about that extensively in the first module. Mm-hmm. So the chakra sits in a base, and that base has an aperture, and it looks like an eye that's opening and closing in a regular format, like in a rhythm. And as the chakra spins, it distributes energy into the body, and into the next phase of the system, which is our meridian system. Mm -hmm. The meridian system has 12 primary lines, the the liver, the kidney, there's a whole bunch of them. And it also has a series of secondary lines that are horizontal. So the chakra system develops and it starts to spin, pulling energy out of the pranic tube. So guess what? That's universal energy that it's distributing through our bodies. It regenerates us. It cleanses us. And it and it informs us. Well, at the solar plexus, that secondary series of meridian lines that are horizontal are really, really important. And there's always been questions in the acupuncture world as to anomalies that are found in this area and they didn't understand what they were finding. Mm-hmm. So what's happening is at the solar plexus, which is just below the diaphragm, okay, mm-hmm. it's it's very yellow in in color. It's a it's a pyramid that's in in its job. Edgar Casey used to say that in our midsection was a second brain. This is it. And the solar plexus picks up energy that's coming up the pranic tube from the earth and down the pranic tube from the cosmos, creation, whatever you want to call it. And as it spins, it mixes and distributes those energies through those secondary meridian lines. And that supports all of our organs, and it's how the energy actually gets into the meridian system. So... We've got the 
the toroid form that's, that has refined to a pranic tube to the pyramid-shaped chakras that are, that are moderated by an aperture that manages the flow and mm-hmm. keeps it all balanced. And then that's being distributed into the meridian system. The meridian system is an invisible set of little highways through our body that has points on it. And every one of those points is relative to our health in the physical world and otherwise. Um, mm. Chinese medicine is based on the, on this entire structure. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so we've got that going on. And the next thing that happens is a vortex opens up at what we call the high heart. It's it's right over our sternum, just a hair to the left, and that vortex is spinning clockwise, and it's bringing information to us. From we we have aspects of ourselves in every moment of time, every dimension. We can actually literally follow someone's timeline, past, present, future, find the the moment of an event, and remove the trauma, heal the injury. Mm-hmm. Um, there's any number of things we can do. Personally, I don't go to people's future because. To me, it's their lives to live. But mm-hmm. working with the present or the past can do a lot of healing. Mm-hmm. So that vortex is segmented, and each segment is a part of our timeline. And you can literally go feel around that vortex and count back how far or how close to now something happened. You can literally find the exact age where someone was traumatized and didn't know how to manage it, and their system got dis- dysfunctional. So it's a very important, powerful inflow to our system. Below that, and between the solar plexus and the second chakra, just a few inches below our belly button, is what in martial arts they call the dantian. Mm-hmm. That is a second vortex. Now, in martial arts, they're taught to bear down and close that that energy center. And mm-hmm. when they do, it builds energy up in their body, and they're able to use their hands or their feet and break things. We see that, demonstrations of that a lot. And what they're doing is they're creating a bath flow so their body fills with the energy from this vortex. Mm-hmm. And then they learn they learn how to express it in a, in the physical world. What the truth is, this is a counterclockwise flowing ancestry. We have family Really to. And it started with a very So that's expressed. Well, epigenetically in this family, the expression of that thyroid issue came down seven generations. And by going back, finding that and fixing it, hopefully future generations won't have the same problem. So it's it's a really vital energy center that speaks to our heritage. And if you follow it up far enough, and the same with the uh, upper one, different circumstances, but it will, there will be a second pyramid that's upside down, just like we talked about um, in the first installment, and mm-hmm. that goes into past lives. 
And our past lives are also bringing us information of things we've learned and experienced, and hopefully we can create greater lives this time because that information is constantly flowing into us. Mm. So we've got the pranic tube, which is feeding the chakras, and then we have the vortices, the two big vortices, we have the meridian system, and then we have the kundalini. A lot of people do kundalini practices. There's kundalini yoga, there's tantric sex. I mean, there's all mm-hmm. all kinds of things relative to, to kundalini. Kundalini looks like a chain of light. And in most people, it's fallen in a pile down in their pelvic area because they haven't learned how to keep their system clear so their kundalini can rise. Learning how to work with energy helps that happen. Mm-hmm. And the, the the different yogas uh, help with that also, um, as does tantric sex when people practice it correctly. Um, so the kundalini, literally, when it's working well, literally snakes around in a chain-like manner each chakra. Mm. And, and one side of the kundalini is flowing up, the other side is slowing down. So you've got a crisscrossing uh, of a perfect flow of energy that goes on either side of the chakra. And on a good day, as I like to say, when everything's working correctly, that keeps the entire chakra system balanced mm. and and moderates the balance of the whole system. Now, when the kundalini rises... It can also cause the body to have extreme feelings of sexual uh, need. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so you have to be really careful when you're working with energy not to mistake kundalini energy for a, a true sexual attraction. Mm-hmm. I had a minister, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I had a minister in one of my classes years ago who called me one day months after he had taken the class. And he says, Doc, I got a problem. I need to talk to somebody. And he had been doing all of the exercises that um, I've been sharing with you guys uh, in our installments. And he got his kundalini so worked up, he was going around um, having a really good time with his parishioners <laughs> and oh, feeling feeling very shameful about it. Yeah. And so I had to explain to him that this was energy and he could learn to harness that energy and um, do different things with that rather than uh, watering all of the tulips in the parish, so to speak. So, <laughs> so there's, I mean, it's, what you're saying is true. Is it, there is a responsibility and accountability that comes with this work that, that yes. you need a guide, you need a coach, someone that, that can, can, can uh, show you those uh, uh, unforeseen spiritual potholes that, you know, you're seeing for the first time and living for the first time. And, you know, some people do lose their damn mind, you know, the, the, with all due respect. Yep. And, yep. and, uh, that's why, you know, uh, I think it's, it's, it's important to make, you know, mention that, hey, do this, if you, if you, if you're blessed, do this with a coach, a mentor, or someone like, uh, Dr. Uh, uh, Dr. Meg, so that when those things come up, you have somebody to talk to that's been there, done that. Yeah, and you know, he was one of the two reasons I had to stop teaching this as a workshop, as a four-day workshop, um, before mm-hmm. getting into trouble. And I was so excited way back then that I was sharing as much as I could, as fast as I could, and I didn't realize <laughs> <laughs> what would happen to people. I was used to it, so it never occurred to me, you know, and, mm-hmm. uh, and so, yeah, so that he was one of the two major reasons I had, well, three reasons why I stopped teaching this as a workshop. So anyway, back to the kundalini. It can have that effect on you, and it's actually very pleasant, but it can get very frustrating. But it's energy, and that's all it is. It means that your system is fully awake. And that is a really good sign, and and you can work with that energy from your whole body, not just your crotch, so to speak, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you can do amazing things with it. Um, so all of the system that we talked about so far is supporting itself, 
being fed through that flow of the torus, down the pronic tube, through the chakras, which are rotating and operated by the and then distributing into the body, into the meridian system, which flows through our entire body. And we have vortices that bring information to our entire community and mm-hmm. all our ancestral heritage and and all that life that just like it's very healthy. Mm-hmm. That serves as transformation between creation and us as we express ourselves as we've talked about in the previous episodes. Um, that surrounding field literally translates to a finer frequency set our expressions into creation into a more pure form and as creation brings information to us it does the opposite that with energy from creation and it brings it down to a level that we can hold in our bodies and we can experience and learn from work with understand new things um and that is also, um, have you ever been with somebody and said, hey, you're in my space. Could you back up a little bit? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know anybody that hasn't had that experience. Yeah. That's because literally someone is standing inside of your field. Right. It's uncomfortable okay. because it's foreign energy. Wow, nice. Yeah. Okay. So, I love that. And, yeah, right? And and we pick up stuff, and and it sticks in that field, and we pick up what looks like little debris and other things, like if we're having surgery, different patterns start to happen in, in our field from electromagnetic input from the machines in the room. There's a mm. lot of things that can happen in that field. The same thing, would the same thing be true, too, that those who are, 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 are working this process, that are in tune with their uh, 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 etherical, spiritual, uh, uh, anatomical self, uh, that just by them entering the room, people, they, they would radiate, they would glow, even if they're not in that person's space, but they would, you know, they just look different or feel different. Absolutely. Well, not only do they look different, Philippe, they feel different. I actually I actually did a talk to a group of adolescents, um, pre-adolescents, pre-adolescent mm-hmm. age kids, and I did diagrams of exactly that and how when we express energy, we all we all do, and when we connect, whether it's across the room or right in front of each other, we literally exchange energy. So, for instance, we can be at a party and be feeling fantastic. Everybody's having a good time, and somebody comes in with road rage or something, mm-hmm. and they're angry, and they are expressing that energy. Or if you get in an argument with someone, same thing happens. That kind of hot red energy is expressed. And it enters into our field, guess what, through our solar plexus. And mm. soon we don't feel good either. So absolutely excellent observation. We are constantly exchanging energy with everyone and everything around us, both through our external field and our solar plexus. Those two things make us, unless we know how to protect ourselves, um, which I believe we talked about already. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, we did. And when we know how to protect ourselves, we don't pick up that stuff because what happens is our system, when our system senses foreign energy or anomalies, because they can actually have shape or, or almost a form, um, it will start to wall it off. Our system will start to wall off that foreign energy, and then we can become sick from it. Mm-hmm. So we we want to be really careful who and how we're exchanging energy with. Um, there's so many different things that can happen. Um, but back to the external field, a lot of people talk about the aura, and they think that the external field is the aura. But here's something really cool that most people don't know. The aura is literally a reflection off of our external field that is constantly changing colors as we are in a constant state of evolution. Mm, Wow. So you, 
Yeah, so people that can actually read auras, there are people that can. Um, I can see them, but I don't bother because there's so much more to look at. Um, you can, you can, well, I didn't mean that by ego. It's just, it's just how it is. Um, it, you can tell by looking at an aura how healthy someone is, what kind of phase in their life they're going through, by what colors you see, mm-hmm. um, what kind of energy they're carrying. There's a lot that you can, you can pick up by the colors that that field is emitting. So that's what the aura truly is. And so, People are only, many people are only taking that as the only expression of that person when in fact it's an outer thing that's really just a statement energetically of what's going on inside. Wow. But here's where it gets even more cool. (laughs) So all of that's going on. And at the same time, during the development uh, uh, of our beingness that I described earlier, mm-hmm. we we develop other bodies as well energetically. As our soul enters and starts to become a physical nature, it maintains certain energetic expressions. We have other bodies. They're about a foot apart, but they nest inside of us. And if you raise them out which I learned how to do, and separate them, you can work on them individually and find problems that aren't showing up on MRIs, that aren't showing up on x-rays or blood tests or other things because they're on other dimensions. Each body is in a different dimension. This is fantastic. Now, is this anywhere analogous to parallel universes in in terms of, of that science or that language, or is this slightly different? Or radically different. This is a little different, but I can, if you remind me at the end, I'll give you a quickie on that one. Okay, sounds okay. great. So, each of those bodies is a different series of frequencies and and in a different dimension, not a parallel different dimension. Okay. 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 So the first one is the emotional body. It's a kind of a silver blue and it's very beautiful and it can, and it, it, each body, by the way, is the same size as our physical self. Mm. Unless it's sick or something's wrong. Mm-hmm. The physical body can tell you a lot. It'll be flat. If someone doesn't have a lot of self-worth, they're not getting nurtured, um, they, they're not emotionally getting what they need, that body will flatten or it could swell up real big person will actually gain physical weight when their emotional body swells. And that body can get blocked, and then it can't have that nice fluid flow inside of it. It gets too much internal pressure, and that person cannot function in our world emotionally in a healthy way very well at all. Mm. Um, a lot of things can happen with that body. The, the mental body is the next one. It's a beautiful yellow color, and it looks... It, such belief that they can start to become alive in form on the mental level. I call mm. them thought forms. To me, they're like cartoon mm-hmm. characters because they're all made up. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they can wreak havoc on a mental field. So um, they got to go when you find them. But anyway, um, then there's can the intuitive you, can side. Can you elaborate on that a little bit more? Because I remember talking to um, John Randolph Price some time ago, and uh-huh. uh, he he uh, uses the term thought forms quite a bit. And I think some people are confused uh, uh, in, in terms of thought forms and intentions. And kind oh, of sure. Get the two, kind of get the two mixed up. Um, can you elaborate on that okay. a little bit more? I'd be happy to. Uh, an intention is an expression. It's done and it's gone. I mean, it's, it goes to work. Okay? We express that. It starts to go through those little hallways in creation, and it's telling creation what to do, and creation's listening. 
Mm-hmm. So it's not something that we hold on to. A belief is something that we have been taught or we have learned. And it's not based on real truth. Mm-hmm. Okay, but we hold on to it. And we guard it because it's our truth. And over time, the amount of energy that we feed that belief makes it start to literally materialize in different ways on the mental field level. And it it can actually take form and almost become a living thing, but not quite. Hmm. And so is it's like you, is there a way to do that? Is 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 there a, a, a version of that that can be done positively, or is that a separate uh, process? Because it seems like intentionality obviously is intentional, whereas this the other one is um, a belief system, although false, that right. becomes a living reality, and uh, and you know a physical manifestation of a living reality, uh, but it's false. So I would assume that type of thought form could not be a positive one. But is there a positive? So that would be the the antithesis, uh, I guess, of intention, if you will. Yes, exactly. Because here's here's the truth of it, Philippe. As we've talked about in all of the other segments, everything is in a constant state of evolution. Truth cannot be nailed down. It cannot be made into form. It is not bound by time or space because it's in constant motion and in a constant state of evolution. Mm. A thought form takes an altered truth of, uh, or something that may have had a piece of truth at some time mm-hmm. and makes something else out of it and holds it so tight that it becomes an anomaly in the field and it's like a, a bunch of bad cartoon characters running around in the mental field and wreaking havoc. Wow. You know, it's like, it's, it's like so riding coyotes in there causing trouble. Yeah, 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 I love that. So, so if you're not careful, you could be living right now a reality that is not even your own, but you think it is because, uh, you keep feeding it the energy or you're, you're around the exactly. environment that is feeding it the energy and it could be completely unconscious to you. Contraindicating your intentions. Exactly. Wow. And mostly this is done on a subconscious level. Thoughts sure. are subconscious. Yeah. Wow. Intention is conscious. It's deliberate and it's and it's effective. Thought forms are subconscious and not necessarily deliberate. And and as we see that belief energy over time, it it takes on a life of its own, and so we can really get into trouble doing that. So uh, it's, it, it's not a good thing to keep latched on to beliefs because the truth is the truth is always evolving. Therefore, when mm-hmm. we try to make it something, it, it, it can't be anything else. We talked about that last time. Absolutely. If you try to, even even giving a name, a word to something, pins it down, mm. and that's all it is. Mm-hmm. You see? I love so, it. You're awesome. Okay, so I know we digressed <laughs> a little bit, and I know it went on a tangent. Uh, I don't mind. So, I, I don't so mind. let's get back to finishing up uh, Kundalini uh, and, 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 and uh, uh, that. Okay, aspect. so we were, into the, we were into the etheric bodies. Yeah, the etheric so, bodies. Okay, so... The the next one would be the intuitive body. The intuitive body is online 24-7. It's always available to us. And if if we can quiet our mind, people that meditate start to get a, and really get quiet and still can start to actually get a feed from the intuitive body. But usually our mental energy keeps us from hearing it. Above that are two bodies. I call them the causal bodies. They're like on either side of the stack of all the other bodies, like two pontoons on a boat. Mm. One on, and they're opposite polarity. The one on the left is, and the other side is the other. And they move in tandem and adjust based on the state of energy in our world and in our, in our 
entire makeup. Mm -hmm. And also on that level, there's a lot of past life information. This is an octave point harmonically in our etheric makeup. And it is the bridge between our human and our divine natures. Mm. So it's a very, very important level. And above that is the actual soul body. And so in total, we have seven bodies, including our physical. And all of them are nested within us. And we give energy to those um, based on how we choose to deal with our experiences. There's so many dynamics to this. Uh, it would take me months to explain it all. But but the truth is, yes, we affect each other whether we realize it or not. Most of it is subconscious. Some people that play in the dark arts learn how to do things on purpose, and that's a whole other conversation that mm-hmm. I don't like to give a lot of energy to, but um, it happens. And um, But anyway, it's our field is a beautiful, or, beautifully orchestrated series of layers and levels uh, that all are relative and all of that also has grid work in it and that grid work is all connected guess where to the rest of creation mm-hmm. so we have that as well i mean it's a very complex system and in my book touching the light I did my darndest on on photoshop to make an illustration of this and it was yeah. It's hard to bring into this world what it looks like, I call it, out there. But our chakras literally are hourglass shape when you get to other dimensions. And our the wall of our external field has two layers. The chakras actually have an upside-down part that joins to the inside wall. And those vortices that I was talking about earlier join the outside of the wall and connect with the vortices in the body above it or the next body, which would be the emotional. So all of the bodies are literally connected on two levels. So they're constantly feeding each other information. So that's why it's so important to have a balanced uh, spiritual, mental, physical, emotional nature all of our aspects need to remain in balance or those parts of our field will begin to act up. And when something happens in one place, we get what I call a cascade effect. Mm -hmm. If there is a dysfunction anywhere in our field, all of the rest of our field will begin to compensate Mm -hmm. in a cascade like dominoes. Mm-hmm. by moving or or changing frequencies or something mm-hmm. that it shouldn't do to try and make up for the problem. Mm-hmm. And that's when our earthly nature starts to get sick, life starts getting funky. Uh, it can affect any part of it. It's very holistic in how our, our field works. So it isn't just about my knee hurts. It's about, wow, mm-hmm what in the entirety of me is out of balance mm-hmm. and what can I do about it? I know I keep interrupting you and I, I'm so sorry, but it's like I just, oh, I, please I, well, do. Nuggets, I'm used to it. Little nuggets mean so much. I, I, I just really want to make sure that there's clarification and I know people will say, well, wait a minute, why didn't you ask that? I, you know, I want to make sure I got that out to <laughs> <laughs> make that distinction. Um, okay. So, so you were finishing up on, on our, uh, uh, our, our bodies, our, our, our external etheric bodies, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I also remember reading somewhere that we were uh, that we we're going to talk about when we're talking about the soul, uh, and we're mm-hmm. talking about um, uh, the the etherical anatomy. Uh, one of the questions that comes to mind is, well, you, you, you talk about how the soul. You talk about um, how the soul comes into a body. Mm-hmm. Talk to us about uh, what happens when the soul leaves the body upon uh, upon death. So we come full circle. That's a beautiful question. Thanks for asking. Mm-hmm. So, so I had another experience. <laughs> Actually, many, but um, <laughs> the, for the first time that I saw this was 
so awe-inspiring. A friend of mine who was a psychologist who referred uh, her patients to me regularly, a very special class of patients, um, called me and she said, I'm on my way to another state. My 93-year-old dad has fallen. He has broken his neck. He's in, in intensive care. And I don't know that he, I'm going to make it before he passes. Can you please help him? Bef- I had worked with him before. He'd been very ill. And uh, can you can you help him? I, I'm driving, I, you know, and I know that you can, if it's time for him to go, can you help clear him up so it's easy? So I went in there, and I started working with him. Mm-hmm. And... About the time I got to his throat, I think it was, all of a sudden, his chakras started to light up at the top and turn gold. Mm. They started by the crown and then the third eye, and then when they got to the throat where I was, from that point, they spontaneously all lit with a golden, like a capstone-like the ancients used to put capstones on the pyramids. We talked about mm-hmm. some, some of the relevance of the ancients and what they left us. So all of the chakras turned gold on top. And then right over his heart, his field, that external field I was describing, split mm-hmm. open right over his heart. And his energy started to move out of that split up toward the top of the Taurus, and I realized, my God, I'm working with him, and he's leaving his body. And I looked up, because I could see what he would be seeing. Mm-hmm. When You know, when you're in the field, it's all the same. And I saw light, and I realized in that moment that coming out of that split in the field and moving up towards the top of the Taurus that has supported us our entire lives is a tunnel of light that people see when they have near-death experiences. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, the soul leaves all those cells. It collects itself. It goes out of that opening at the chest area, up through the Taurus, and out. And as it does, our physical bodies, and this is a scientific fact, at least I could throw one in here today, we lose one-twenty-eighth of a gram when we pass. Mm-hmm. Why? That is our consciousness leaving our bodies. Wow. My guys say it takes three days for every little tiny particle of consciousness to leave our bodies. Don't freak if you cremated somebody. It catches up. <laughs> Just mm. that somebody in the audience always gasps and says, oh, my God, what have I done? It's mm-hmm. okay. It catches up. But the ideal thing is to let the body um, be in state for three days. Um, that uh, assures you that all of the consciousness has left the cells. But like I said, cremation does not change that. So um, don't worry about that. It all catches up because it's all part of us, and sometimes it's just a little faster than other times. That's all. As we, after we leave, some of us go straight home. We've really dealt with ourselves in our lives. We've done what we meant to do. If there was any karma we had, maybe we, maybe we dealt with it. Maybe we learned from it, whatever the case was, and we go straight home. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we go through periods of learning on our way home. Mm-hmm. We might go, um, some of you might know Daniel Brinkley. He's a really good friend of mine. He's died three times and had experiences. Mm-hmm. And and many people will go through a life review where they feel from the, from the side of the other person that they affected. And they will go through their entire life feeling everything they've done with everyone um, as if they were experiencing what they had done. Um, you might go through a future life review. You might go through a period of healing your soul if there were things that happened in your lifetime. You you might go through 
different levels of reattuning back to force light because we get kind of um, tuned differently living uh, on the earth. And so it's kind of like coming up from a deep scuba dive. Mm-hmm. We have to stop and kind of let our bodies acclimate. Where well, sometimes our souls need to do that, and sometimes we hang around for a little bit if we don't realize we're gone yet, mm-hmm. or we're, or we're worried about something, or, or uh, we didn't finish something, and and or we don't realize we need to go home, mm-hmm. and um, and eventually we will, um, but. Um, there, there are all kinds. It just depends on the person and how they died, and um, you know what they go through. And the question a lot of people ask me at this point is, "What about people who commit suicide?" Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They will go through the same process, and it's there's nobody holding a big scepter that's going to punish them on their way out. Mm-hmm. Usually, as soon as they leave, they realize that what's happened and they start healing mm-hmm. or they were they start learning how to go about life differently another time so um it it's there's so many stories that people make up about this stuff and i've literally watched it so many times and and you can actually walk part way with someone who's leaving and you'll get, there will be people who will come and meet them, even animals that they've had in their lives, um, past relatives, members of their soul family, other guides or whatever, angelics will come and meet them. And um, it varies from person to person. But mm-hmm. you can you can only walk with someone to a certain point, and then it's like you hit a wall. Mm-hmm. It's not your time yet. Mm-hmm. You can't go any farther. But I can tell you, it is the most beautiful thing to watch that I have ever seen next to an incoming soul. Um, it, it's a very beautiful process, and there's no reason to be afraid. And once the the body has been left behind, the entire form that was created as the, as the body was created at inception, conception, sorry, both, I guess, um, mm-hmm. that will deteriorate into into the energy we talked about in our last segment that is pure potential. Mm-hmm. So it will become something else in creation at another time when it's time. Um, so there's no reason to fear any of this. We just change form. We don't stop living. And once we leave the corporeal form, the physical nature, we have no pain. There are no negative emotions um, for the most part. There are certain circumstances where that happens, but it's not the commonality. And it, and it's it's blissful. We feel loved. We feel loved. We we don't hurt. We don't have pain. We we are no longer subject to the physical world, so we don't have any of that. And for a while, people might be, you might smell them or you might get signs from them, and then eventually they'll go on, meaning that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. They have been through their process, and they've gone on home. And they'll stay around. How long that is, each person's different. But, um, you know, people, I know one person whose mother throws pennies out of thin air. I've seen it. I had another one. It was dimes. And, and I've, I've had other ones um, that had different other objects that would show up or, or move around or, or whatever. Um, just just uh, a relative saying, I'm here looking after you. Don't worry. Mm-hmm. You know, um, or they'll wait until that my great-grandmother waited for my grandmother to pass and what she did uh, um, they both left like Mm. immediately Mm -hmm. my great-grandmother hung around they lived in a duplex and my great-grandmother hung around until my grandmother left and then then it was so still in there it was crazy 
so all kinds of different things can happen, but it's it's a beautiful thing. So if you're afraid of your mortality, don't be. This is the temporary part, and this is the hard part. The rest is easy. <laughs> mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to actually have a, more of a conversation on this because there's other aspects of death that I think people uh, are are curious about, and maybe we can have a conversation, uh, kind of an addendum uh, <clears throat> uh, uh, to this conversation as, as we close this one out because we're running out of time, but. I want to, I want you to do a couple of things. One, if you could, uh, tell people how they can get in contact with you. And then secondly, tell them about the, um, uh, uh, I guess the retreat that you're, you're having in Guatemala. Oh, thank how you. To come get you. And to, not, not yeah. come get you, but how to come get and be with you. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> um. First of all, most of what I have talked about today, there is a bunch of new stuff today that is not in the book because I've learned it since I wrote the book. But most of what I talked about today is in my book called Touching the Light. If you want to know more details, um, that's where you can get them. My main website is spirit, L-I-T-E, spiritlight.com. And my website about the classes that I teach about this kind of work um, is touching the light l i g h t dot org, uh, and I'm going to Guatemala the first of, of uh, December, and I'm so excited to be working with Grandmother Elizabeth and the the Grandmaster. And forgive me for forgetting his exact. He's got so many titles. He's so honored. Um, the head of the entire Mayan nation in Guatemala, mm-hmm. Don Alejandro is going to be coming with us, um, and that is on spiritlight.com. If you click on um, my schedule link at the top, you'll see journeys. Go to that in the, in the itinerary and um, ability to sign up. It's right there for you. So, um, And we need to talk about parallel universes. Um, we might have to save that for later for out of time. Yeah, I want to talk about that. I mean, that's one of the things I want to talk about as well, and, 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 and different types of death and what happens when, uh, that occurs, uh, especially when it's abrupt or, you know, in various different ways. What, what, how, do, how does that manifest itself out? You so, know, I think uh, we should do that. And, and, yeah. and I think that we should include some of the things that people encounter from the spirit world, like hauntings or other things mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that happen. So we can plan a part two next time if you want. Um, I could explain the difference between a lot of those kinds of events. And whether whether they're actually souls causing it or something else. I love that. I, I absolutely want to have that conversation. Uh, you're you're <laughs> amazing. You are absolutely amazing. So we're going to be going to part five, ladies and gentlemen. So this is this is absolutely unprecedented, uh, and we're so honored, so blessed uh, to 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 have Dr. Meg Blackburn Lucy in our lives. Uh, well, back to you. Well, at this time, I swear to God, it's just, a, it's, a, it's, well, I don't mean to swear to God, because I know you can't swear to God, but some people might. Yeah, you can. You're part <laughs> of that. You can swear to yourself all you want. <laughs> you know, some people are like, oh, my God, did you just say that? I'm like, yeah, I just did it again. Um, but anyway, uh, <laughs> when, you, when, you, when you know truth, you can't offend truth. Um, That's exactly it. <laughs> But but you are unbelievably amazing. You are just a gifted, gifted teacher that has come to teach us, and uh, I just believe You know what? I'm blessed that someone can finally hear me and we can do these conversations. I'm, I'm, well, I'm I, I get you, and I love – I absolutely – I mean, I literally plan my week for it. I mean, it starts my week. This is – you know, I, I, I so look forward to it. It's like – my therapy session for myself and for everyone else. It's it's unbelievably grounding. So um I, I'm I'm just honored to be able to, to see you and to hear you and to get you and then to be able to send that out back to the people. Well, I'm really happy everyone's listening. You know, without you guys I wouldn't have much to do, so thanks for being <laughs> nice. And um I, I really look forward to next time. This thing is literally creating itself as we go and Yeah, it really I'm is. Lo- I'm loving how it's it's showing us where to go next. I mean, Philippe and I are not planning this. It's just like No, we're not. We're absolutely not. <laughs> I mean literally I'm saying, well, Let's see what we're going to talk about. Oh, I see what we're going to talk about because we need to talk about that next week. Well, yeah, 
Well, uh, as a result of that, I've got some other things that has come to me as a result of the of, of this week, and it's like it's 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 just coming up as it's supposed to. And when it's yeah, it's brilliant. It's I'm loving it. Great flow. Great flow. Well, we'll see you guys next time. All right, my dear. You take care, everyone. We'll see you next time on the Police After Show on the radio show. Talk to you later. <laughs>